Genre. Hello and welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie, The Two Towers, one sad family separation montage at a time. Oh my god! I'm Norman Mitchell. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. And today we're talking about Minute 159, which starts with Aragorn finishing his line from yesterday, says, who will they look to in the last defense, and ends on a hug. Wholesome. Not really. Not a good hug. A sad hug. A sad hug. A family being torn apart hug. Yep. It's time to fight. For everyone that can hold a sword. But before all that... Oh boy. We get... We get Eowyn. Okay. So... Alright. Okay. Uh, She... I don't even know where to begin. I guess we'll start at the beginning. That's a good place to start. Thanks. <laughs> Sound You're of welcome. music. Um, she says, you know, let me stand by your side during the battle. And Aragorn says it is not his to command it. Um, I mean, he's been put in his place how many times by the king? Twice. So he's this is just... this is a good move. Aragorn's being a good dude. Like, I don't want to mess, like, the king is your uncle, like, he will, he would kill me. <laughs> um, and that's bad for everyone. And then she... Yeah, Aragorn spends this whole movie going, Theoden, no, and Theoden's just like, Theoden, yes. I'm gonna do the thing I want to do. You're not gonna stop me, Ranger. Right. And Aragorn makes to walk away. Because he's just like, okay, we're done. Yep. She's not going to listen to me. I'm tired. I got things to do. I'm leaving. I'm done with this conversation. Eowyn is not done with this conversation. She should be. This is, like, is this the cringiest moment in the trilogy? Cringier than Wormtongue? But this is, like, secondhand embarrassment Yeah, that's what I mean. This is not, like... Ugh, cringy. This is just secondhand embarrassment cringy. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to exactly what just happens here. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, <laughs> are we going to go personal? So, <laughs> this is very soap opera E. Yes, yes. Which, you know what? I'm fine with elements of soap opera. I'm fine with, like, soapy stuff. I like emotions. I like characters being emotive. Um, I don't like this. And this is just like foot in mouth the whole thing, you know? Right. This seems very immature compared to other parts of the movie with Eowyn. Right. For one. Um. Like, that's 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 just one thing. It Comes out of nowhere. Um, I don't and... think it follows from her expression when she sees Legolas give the Evan Star back to Aragorn. 
especially in the context of the extended edition where she knows what that is. Yeah. And I don't think this scene follows from that moment very well. I think it walks back on, like, her expression in that moment. And I feel like this whole scene, the scene as a whole, like, last minute, is a retreading of her character, but done extremely poorly. And... Well, we know from the wig that this was filmed first. Right, yeah, I'm not a fan of this wig. Either. That this was some of the first stuff they filmed together. Which is fine, um, it's so, she's so whiny. I think that's my problem mm. with it because I'm fine with her, um, like being sad. Like I'm fine with her having emotions because like her whole deal up until this point in Rohan, she was like, emotionally manipulated and just like isolated and she'd lost her cousin and her brother and her uncle and that's all legit and I understand her reaction to that and I also understand her reaction to Aragorn when he challenges her well he doesn't mean to challenge her with the the sword yeah it's more like why are you swinging that around in a place people are walking through yeah and that exchange does both of their characters more of a favor than this one does. Because what's Aragorn going to do about it? He can't do anything about this. No. It doesn't really serve a purpose other than to try and ham-fist the stupid love triangle stuff that I hate into it. Mm. And... It doesn't even really go anywhere because it hasn't been building to anything. Like, they're kind of flirty, sort of, but they're mostly cordial and, like, she makes him food once. Like, you know, there's no basis for this really intense confession of love. Other than look at him. I mean, yeah, I guess, but... But... I mean, he's the first man that's treated her with mutual respect, like, in her entire life. I know, but that comes off as so juvenile, like, high school crush, you know? I think, in a way, it's kind of supposed to. Oh, that's that makes the cringe worse. I don't want to relive high school crush. Yeah, it's, this is such a secondhand embarrassment, cringy moment. It's, and I, I don't have a problem with this moment. Until she says, because they love you. That's where I'm just like... Aragorn and Legolas is canon, by the way. No, just <laughs> step too far. <laughs> just step too far. In the moment. Because they would not be parted from you. Because they love... Like, every time I watch this, I have to do it like... I don't know. Uh, what's the... What's the character from Gone with the Wind... Scarlet. Scarlet, yeah, in the overdramatic the Scarlet O'Hare. Yeah, or yeah, in the overdramatic, like swoony, like oh, like I have to do this line along with her in that way because there's no other way I can like sit there and watch her say this. But she doesn't like shout because they love you. She actually says it much quieter than the things she said previous. 
She says, because they would not be parted from you. And then she's, because they love you. She knows it's a bad idea. Yeah. And then he's just like, he's looking at her. And then she He has this quick moment where his eyes get like slightly bigger. And then he looks down. He's just like, oh, okay. I don't want to make eye contact anymore. Yeah. And then she looks mm. down and then she's just like, I'm sorry. And And then leaves. leaves. (laughs) Oh, man. It is very high school soap opera time. I'm, you know what? There's a reason I don't watch teen dramas. Like, I mean, of course I have exceptions to the rule, but like, I'm uh, not a fan. I don't know what, putting this part of this sequence back in. I don't really know what this accomplishes. No, I don't know what purpose it serves other than to make... Other than to underscore the stupid love triangle thing. Right, which the movie doesn't sell because they never go far enough. Right. If you're going to commit to it, just freaking commit to it. Which I know is the opposite of the love triangle thing, but like, you know what I mean? Right, but you have to commit to it as a... You have to commit to it as, as a, a plot trope. device yeah. if you're going to do it. Yeah. You can't just... You can't half-ass you gotta a love go, triangle. You gotta go all in. You gotta go full triangle. Full triangle. Is that what the Gravity Falls sequel is called? Yes. Gravity full Falls triangle. Two, full triangle. <laughs> so <laughs> you, you you just can't half-ass a triangle. It falls apart. You need all three sides. Otherwise, it just closes. Doesn't hey, work. Yeah, that's a. It's like a tent. Yeah. You don't have the, the the connecting poles. Your tent is not going to stand up. Right. It's not solid. You can't... It's not good for anything. No. Other than to make Cassandra and Norman angry. So... I already hate love triangle trope. I hate it. It's so boring. I don't care. Unless you're going to, like, actively have, like... A serious polyamorous relationship and what that means to those three or four characters. I don't want to see your freaking love triangle. I mean, it can be done well. Right. It can be done well. However, as a whole, I'm generalizing. I hate it. Right. So. I think crappy young adult fiction has just ruined the love triangle. There's some really good young adult fiction. I still hate the love triangle. (laughs) There you go. I don't like it. That's why whenever I read some young adult fiction that doesn't have a love triangle, I, like, have to close my book and put my hands in the air and be like, praise be, (laughs) and then start reading again. But even when it's done well, I hate it. So, to me, they don't even bother to do it well. It's like a slap in my face. (laughs) Papa Peach, what up? I don't even necessarily hate love triangles. I don't like this one. The frickin' Hobbit movies do a love triangle better than this one. And there's not even supposed to be a love triangle in those yeah, stupid Yeah, because there's movies. not even supposed to be a woman in that story. My god. But. Frickin'. Yeah, and you know what? <laughs> they built that love triangle on the same bones that this one is trying to, like, is going for. And that one is, like eye rolly for a completely different reason. Well, one, because it poops on Legolas's, Legolas's character arc as, like, the friend between Dwarf and Elf thing. I know. Uh, that's the reason that I'm just like, okay. I, I'm mad about that for a whole slew of reasons, but at least they did it 
better than here. And I don't... I don't really even know. Because right? if Evangeline Lily locked you in a cage, you'd flirt with her too. Oh, hell yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm going to keep it appropriate. <laughs> you derailed my brain with that comment. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> Give me a second. <sighs> You're welcome. <laughs> I'm like blushing. Um, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh man. There are hypothetical children listening, Norman. Hypothetical children. <laughs> They're moot children. <laughs> right. Oh my god. What was I saying? <laughs> I don't know. I totally just. I lost it. I derailed the whole conversation because I just, I I had that, that sentence went through my brain. And I was just like, I can't not say that. <laughs> That's too good. Right. That's some quality podcast material right there. Can't keep that in. That's for everyone. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. It's just insulting. Oh, I, okay. I um remember what I was going to say. So... I understand the impulse to be true to the source material, mm. um, but even Tolkien didn't even know what he was doing with Eowyn until the third book. He's like, oh, I should probably, like, have Aragorn marry the pretty elf princess right? because reasons. And we wound up with backdoor feminist icon Eowyn, so. Uh, yeah, roundabout f- feminist icon Eowyn. Sticking it to the man. But, like... I mean, that's really what she's become in... As, like, a symbol of things in fantasy literature. Yeah, the I am no man thing. But... And there's more to it than just that moment. But, like, I understand wanting to be true to the source material, but it does the overall narrative of... Like, it does the overall narrative no favors. So why not toss it? And you can... You can still have Eowyn admire Aragorn and be grateful to him for treating her like a freaking human being. You can even have... You can even have what you want out of this moment without it being so... Over the top. Awkward and over the top. Like, they... they, She pushes it past the... It's the stupid because they love you line. It's so dumb. I hate it. Okay. Um... (laughs) Well, because, yeah, like, that line in of itself shows immaturity for a separate reason, because it's her equating platonic and romantic love, which is also not the same sort of deal. Which is fine if you take the time to explore that, but they don't. They, like, blurt it out. It's, it's blurted out and then shoved under the rug. Right. Yeah, it's just... And then they, they just don't want to talk to each other now. Like, watching your characters grow emotionally... That's my jam. But they don't take the time to do that, which I think I'm more angry about. Also, there's a couple of characters in this story in, anyway that arguably don't really grow that much. Like, Gimli doesn't really change much. Gimli changes from never trust an elf. 
His first line is never trust, or one of his first lines is never trust an elf. Right. And but, then they sell off to elf heaven together to be like. Right, but the entire transition of his character is, oh, I met this pretty elf lady and now I like her and I like elves, I guess. Legolas is cool too. I don't think that, I mean, Galadriel is a point to that, but it's his camaraderie with Legolas that cements it. Mm. That's why they sail off to Elf. Dude, it's a literal ship. Who pointed that out? Did you point that out? I think so. (laughs) It writes itself. Legolas built a boat. Yeah. Legolas honestly has not a whole lot of character development other than the friendship thing, but... Their personalities don't change at all. It doesn't. It doesn't really seem like they. They don't really learn anything new about the, themselves. Their personalities stay can stay the same. Like that's different than character growth. Like you, you as a person, your personality is pretty much intact, but you can still grow as a human being. Yeah, but I don't know. I just when I look at Legolas and Gimli, I'm just like, okay, they're friends. But other than that, like they didn't really change or grow like their their character arc is very minor compared to other characters right and there's like 20 main characters so but at least all of them do move from point a to point b anyone just eventually accepts that aragorn will never love her it doesn't have to be much like yeah the as long as the movement is there it doesn't have to be drastic Mm. Because they're not the main characters of the story. Right. They're not Frodo or Aragorn or Gandalf. Well, Gandalf doesn't really change. Right. Because I'm um, Gandalf, uh, he becomes Gandalf the White, but he's still Gandalf. I mean, that's like a literal change, like a physical. I mean, he's also like a complete being in a metaphysical sense from like the, the mythology of the world. Like, he is everything he is ever going to be from the beginning of time. Yeah, because he's like a angelic a, being. Right. So So of course Gandalf doesn't really change. So and I mean Boromir doesn't really get a chance to. Right. Not counting like characters that die obviously. But I don't know, man. I'm fine with Aragorn and Eowyn admiring and respecting and, like, being friends. But this is, like, this... Oh, man. This is just throwing some trash out on the highway and then just, <laughs> just letting it... And someone being like, oh, hey, there's a $5 bill in here. Well, no, not even. It's just trash. Well, that's Eowyn's entire existence. It's just, oh, like... no. No, I'm talking about, like, this moment. Like, mm. this is done with the subtlety of a shotgun. Yeah, that's true. This it's a scatter shot. It's just here we go. What's going on? Like, I don't. I'm like, I think I'm more angry about it now because I actually like like Eowyn a little more now because I'm just like, oh, this moment is the cringy thing. Like, this character is fine. And you know the the makeup that they had for her in the early part of the shoot. When they when they filmed this, I also don't think looks great. I think it makes her look considerably more vulnerable, fragile. like fragile and vulnerable and juvenile, in a way that she doesn't in other parts of the movie. I'm not entirely sure. I don't. I don't know. Makeup is like a magical 
thing. I I'm I suck at makeup, so I'm always... yeah, like the like the makeup for this scene. She does she does she looks really fragile. She looks I think it's very... also like the lighting or the camera angle or something because like in the next scene we see her head on. Right, but her when makeup she's... is totally different, and she has a totally different wig. When she's pulling her hair back, like that's a vulnerable. That's still a vulnerable moment because we're it's like I don't know. She's ready to get to work. It's more of a I don't know. It's I understand what you're saying, but I can't like articulate what's different about it yeah but like her makeup is totally different in every other every scene in the movie that was filmed separate from this early stuff yeah it's completely different so i don't think this makeup does the the moment any favors either i think well i mean i guess it's it makes sense that aowen and faramir end up together because they have like three different character things going on at the same time they can't decide what to do with them yeah they're like the earliest earlier stuff was shot in one way and then they change their mind and then well we'll 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 play around with some of the stuff that we were playing around with before and we'll see how it goes Mm -hmm. no no we're gonna go this way now and then eowyn and faramir seem to have very different opinions on what war is like right because Eowyn is just like, well, I want to go die in glorious combat. Right. Because I want to die in glorious combat. <laughs> I want to die in combat. But... In combat. <laughs> and Faramir, Faramir has had war enough of war. will make corpses of us all. Faramir, but Faramir is like, has been in it. Yeah. Eowyn has an idealized version of warfare, much like, I mean, Eowyn is like an embodiment of Europe pre-World War One. Yeah. Like, dying gloriously in battle to serve your people and your country, and like, oh no, everyone's dying of mustard gas and bullets. Right. This is terrible. Yeah. Faramir is just like, war's, war's always been terrible. Right. And, I mean, we'll, we'll talk more about the attitude towards warfare in after the third movie yeah because it's still celebrated but like there are i mean we're not gonna i i think it's safe to say we're not gonna talk about the hobbit movies yeah we'll we'll probably do like a like a chunk special like afterward like we'll we'll talk about each movie in like a really long episode or like a series of episodes but like there's such a drastic difference between the futility of warfare in The Hobbit because of, like, a stupid freaking reason versus the warfare that goes towards defending good from evil in Lord of the yeah. Rings. I do think it's... I think it's interesting comparing Eowyn and Theoden because, like, in a, in a, like in a traditional, like, European sense, Eowyn has a very like, masculine view on warfare, and Theoden has a very feminine view on warfare. Like, we only fight to defend ourselves versus, I'm going to go out in battle and we're going to... Prove myself. We're going to prove ourselves. Theoden has no interest in that. Right, because, I mean, we I talked about it a little last minute, but that's the difference between youth and experience, too. Right. That's true, too. But just, like, in a traditional, like, action movie or, like, fantasy movie Machismo. sense... Like, Eowyn has all this, like, glory and battle machismo that she just really needs to get out. And she's just got no outlet for her because she doesn't 
see the value in defense, she would rather be a martyr. Right. Because she doesn't see a point in living. Yeah. If she can't, like, there's no, there's nothing to protect because she's going to be, like, dying, like, you Well, know? yeah, because she's, and she's also, like, she's very depressed and inward thinking, so she's not, she's also just, at this point in time, incapable of thinking, well, if of I, if I'm of the future and of the value of the lives around her, she could protect. I don't think that's true. I think that there's part of it there. I think you can definitely read it that way. She's very, she's very closed in, in her own head about wanting to die and at least wanting to make something of it. Right. So she's not looking around her as much as she could be. And I think that that's one way to take some of Aragorn's lines is like trying to get that across to her. That mm-hmm. she needs to look at the people around her too. Yeah. But then they they have this awkward moment. Oh my god. And even Legolas, like, you can see him in the background is just like, what? Well, she's, she raises her voice and he, like, looks and then he's just like, I'm not going to pay any attention to this. This is, this is not for me. <laughs> this is beyond my capabilities. See, but you know Gimli is just staring. <laughs> Speaking of Gimli, he wasn't in any of the shots, but then, like, very obvious Gimli double. Yeah, just as they're getting ready to end this, this moment mm-hmm. before the refugees all are in the caves. And we get a cameo in the caves from uh, Elijah Wood's sister. She is the young blonde girl that's very featured in the middle of the frame looking at the caves. Nice. Elijah Wood's sister, Hannah. She came to visit the set in New Zealand. And Peter Jackson was just like, well, we're going to make you a featured extra then. (laughs) That's cool. And then we get the hugging montage. And that shot of the glittering caves, that wide shot, is the only wide shot that includes a bunch of the set and this beautiful, this map painting that they did. Mm. I guess there was some discussion as to, because it's never really described what makes the glittering caves glitter in the books. Yeah. They weren't really sure during exploratory design what they were going to make the caves look like. And they ultimately just decided to fleck the place with like literal glitter just to make (laughs) it shimmer. There you go. Instead of, like crystals or precious metals or veins of ore or whatever. Yeah. I like the lighting. Yeah, the lighting in the Glittering Caves is really cool. And they also originally planned a scene during the Battle of Helm's Deep where some number of orcs actually got into the caves and we would see Eowyn defending people in her dress with a sword. That's badass. Though but ultimately the... they decided not to do it. Yeah, the the battle goes on long enough. Yeah. And if enemies get that far in, it's also at that point... It's also a very bad sign that the battle is going poorly up top. Right. Then it's, like, hard to walk that back and end the battle on a high note. Right. It's like, we won, but at what cost? And I'm saving it, but they finally answered my question about the climax of the Battle of Helm's Deep. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, don't talk about that yet. So we're gonna... (laughs) Okay. <laughs> I'm, I think I'm, I'm spent. Yeah. This really is just like high school cringy awkward. Just. Not a fan. Not a fan. You know, this, this moment also to me just reminds me of every like 
mock Spanish soap opera I've ever seen, like, in a show when they show a Spanish soap opera on the TV. Oh, dude, have you not wa- Have you not seen, like, a telenovela? No. Oh, my God. It's crazy. Like, in King of the Hill, Peggy Hill's always watching them. <laughs> and it, they just are always so ridiculous and overdramatic with, like, zoom-ins and zoom-outs. And I mean, have you ever seen an episode of Days of Our Lives? That's basically, like, you know, like, oh... The murderer wasn't blah, blah, blah all along. It was his magical twin brother who's been in hiding for 20 years. Like, just... It was his <laughs> robot son. Right? Like, just... Just crazy nonsense. Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> Curious what everybody else thinks about all this. Yeah, are you, you pro, like, Eowyn confessing her feels? Right, like, is this this is too is this we a step too far? Too hard. <laughs> like, is this a step too far? Or do you think that this is appropriate for Eowyn's character to have this moment before? Yeah, cite your sources. <laughs> before, I almost said before season three, uh, which I guess is true for us. Uh, before movie three, right? So go to the Facebook listener group Fellowship of the Mic and join in on that discussion. You should also leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us. It really helps us out, helps us grow. Unlike Eowyn <laughs> in this scene. <laughs> yeah, man, it just it just feels like a walk back. Uh, it's just whiplash, especially because she's in the next scene. Yeah. <laughs> Down in the cave, she's like, I've made a grave mistake. Whoops. Yeah, man, and then this this sad parade of family separation begins. Yes. Hope everyone has a good Thursday. We'll Yay. be back tomorrow. Bye.